the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, Saturday. I see ya. That's right, Saturday. I know you're there. Yes, it is Saturday morning. We are here on the Blaze Radio Network. We always kick off Saturdays here on the Blaze Radio Network with Pure Opelka. I'm happy you're here. The first hour of the show, we we got off on a tangent about the environment that drifted into a story about an amazing entrepreneur. And isn't that how conversations go? So join the conversation, won't you? Uh, you can do it on the phones if you're up and about. Uh, don't call if you're driving. Or if you are driving, pull over. So many of our truckers listen, and I appreciate you. Uh, the number, 888 3393 888 uh, Twitter, at I don't have a, a vital question of the day. I might. There might be one coming up. But we were talking about the, the situation with this giant chunk of ice at the Larson Ice Shelf that's about to crack off. It's the size of the state of Delaware. And it led me to looking into what happens if it all melts at once. And the answer is nothing, Re- really nothing. It's not going to happen. Nothing big is going to happen because it is uh, basically, they say it's the same volume of water as Lake Michigan, which in comparison to the entire water on the face of the earth and the oceans, it's point zero 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 three six nine percent So that's what it would add to the ocean's volume. Point zero 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 three six nine percent There you go. So nothing. It's, it's going to do nothing. It, it'll come up two more grains of sand. <laughs> and that's only when completely melted. Just a thought. But in the course of that, we started talking about, because Donna said, uh, what, about, what about the guy who, in Boston, years ago, in the middle of the 19th century, in the 1800s, said, hey, why don't we take some of this ice and, um, and see if we can sell it to people in other parts of the world. There was not refrigeration. We didn't have ice machines, etc. And that entrepreneur was a guy named Tudor, Mr. Tudor. And he became known as the Ice King because he, he took a, a few attempts Frederick Tudor did, at bringing ice to places in the Caribbean and tried to get it to Cuba, eventually ended up actually getting it all the way to Calcutta, where ice was, was viewed as a miracle. And suddenly it was the must-have thing. And Frederick Tudor's dream of bringing ice created innovation in so many different fields and created marketplaces. And this is the beauty of capitalism. This is why I am an unfettered, unstoppable supporter of capitalism and allowing the individual to try and and follow a dream and create something that makes all of our lives better. Frederick Tudor died a millionaire. His family was well taken care of. But that's not what this is about. It's about everything else that came out of Frederick Tudor's dream that he chased, that he ended up in debtor's prison over, that he ended up 
failing and then trying and failing and trying until he ultimately succeeded. And in the course of that, succeeding to bring ice to people in other parts of the world, ice to people who didn't have winters like they have in Boston, ice to people who just wanted to have something cool, they discovered a new way to harvest it. So they created machinery to harvest the ice, which created another set of jobs. And it also created, let's face it, capitalism creates relationships between nations. Trade creates friendships and competition as well. And in bringing the ice to Calcutta, he opened a door. In bringing the ice to China, he opened a door. He also, on the return, brought back the Canton China that we talked about earlier and uh, started a, an, entire, an entire marketplace that exists today. And it was, let's face it, uh, the, the, um, the Canton China that Frederick Tudor and others brought back was ballast, ballast for their boats, basically considered junk. But it became so, it is so collectible right now. If you want proof, go on eBay and put in Canton China. Just know that there is a lot of fake Canton China out there. The Chinese, who were great at making the Canton China back in the middle of the 18th century, are also geniuses in the 20th and 21st century in making fake stuff. So you have to be sure of the pedigree. Don't get caught up paying a lot of money for fakes. Uh, educate yourself. There are a lot of ways you can tell if something is fake or not. And in the course of the discussion... Uh, we, we were um, having a Twitter chat between some of the friends and our buddy Microaggressor said all of this talk about the ice and, and the, the 18th, the middle of the 19th century in the 1860s reminded uh, Microaggressor of the story of rags and old iron man and the ice man that his dad used to, uh, that my dad used to tell me it says. Now, in, in, the, in, the, um, in the microaggressor story she shares with us, uh, I grew up in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago, and we had alleys that ran behind our home. And the alleyway was not a place really where you parked a car. Most of the garages that were at the houses and or apartment houses they were usually one and two family homes in our neighborhood. Most of those alleys did not have garages that exited out to the alley. You would go out in the alley because that's where delivery and garbage was handled. In other words, the garbage trucks would come down the alley and pick up the trash. That's why you never saw trash out in the front of the streets in Chicago. The difference between New York City and Chicago, my dad told me, alleys. The way they laid it out, Chicago was a little better at thinking and planning and that uh, the infrastructure could be serviced better through alleyways. And we used to have come by once a week, sometimes twice a week, a vegetable truck. Basically a box truck with a set of steps up into it and a couple of hanging scales and inside there was produce. 
And that's how you bought your produce in the 60s. You would go and climb into the back of the vegetable truck. You didn't have to go to the supermarket. And your mail would also come down that way. And your, your dairy was delivered. Yes, we had a milkman back in the 60s in Chicago before all the dates. So, uh, so many things change. But yes, uh, we're, we're drifting off course today. I know that. I'm sorry. I just got caught up in this. And it all started because a giant chunk of ice is falling off a piece in the Antarctic. A giant chunk of ice. It's a, it's a way that we get to places. This morning, this morning I'm, I'm keeping an eye on what's going on overseas because there are meetings today. The president is scheduled to meet with uh, President Xi of China. And this is important. Why? Well, mostly it's important because of North Korea. North Korea, for the last day, has been doing a rather public celebration of its, uh, of its successful launch last week. Last, as a matter of fact, it was 4th of July. They gave us the present, remember? The basket of presents is coming. Uh, North Korea is celebrating their missile program, which tells me possibly one of two things. Maybe they don't have any other missiles. Maybe they don't, and this is all bluster. The conventional wisdom would make you think they've got more than, than that one, and we should be seeing another one coming up soon. But I, I think today's meeting with President Xi of China is going to be very important to uh, where we go in the future with North Korea. A bit later in the show, I want to play you something from uh, my senator, one of my senators here, Senator um, Coons of Delaware, Chris Coons, seems to be advocating for serious action against North Korea. And I don't know if I, I'm surprised. Uh, Senator Coons is a guy who's very liberal in mo most of his uh, social thinking, but I also think he's very wise on foreign affairs. He's a guy who takes a really interesting look at things. He's a guy who has a perspective, a very humane perspective on people in other parts of the world. And he, and he has paid visits to other parts of the world where he has, um, he has said that our, our attention to other humans needs to be greater and our help to other humans needs to be greater. It's a very, a very um, humane approach. But to see Senator Coons talking about North Korea and the nuclear threat in the, in the terms that he used, I wonder if he's advocating for a first strike to take out their capabilities. We will see. We'll get to his thoughts. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to step away and try and cue that up. I also have for you, uh, I have for you um, some new Maxine Waters madness. There's new Maxine Waters madness out there. And um, it's, it's pretty silly. And Chris Matthews, he is so obsessed with Donald Trump that he reached a new level. And I don't mean a new high. I think it's a new low. It is maybe, he said a lot of weird things about Trump. And last night, I think he said one of the weirdest.
So uh, I'll tee that up for you as well. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Just uh, looking at a bunch of different things during the break. And uh, I know this is a weird thing to say, but I'm going to say it. I'm very glad we have a president who doesn't drink and hasn't ever been a drinker. Because you know at these, these events, like these G20 events, there's always an after party. And... Uh, I feel pretty good that we have a president who's got a clear head the morning after the dinner because you know they were they were serving the they were pouring good wine last night in Hamburg or or pouring some pretty good beer but uh they they probably had a good time and I'm just happy the president is not a drinker just saying I'm just putting that out there before we went away, I was talking about the fact that the President of the United States will meet with President Xi of China today. And this is on the heels of his very long meeting, his two-hour and 16-minute meeting with Vladimir Putin, a meeting that needed to be interrupted so everybody could get to the dinner. They actually sent Melania in to basically say, Donald, we need to go to dinner. Uh, and then try and warn them that they had, they were holding everybody else up, which I think is pretty funny. Send the wife in. Uh, Donald, we are late. Pretty funny. But um, but on the heels of the, the meeting with Putin, which we are told from Secretary Tillerson that the subject of Russian meddling was approached more than once, that Putin didn't agree that they had meddled, but Trump did push it. So we knew that was going to happen. Big shock. What did you think? Vladimir Putin was going to go in and go, I'm so sorry. I know we meddled. Please don't get mad at us. Please, we'll never do it again. No, that was never going to happen. He's a, he's a former KGB head. He's just going to say, it did not happen. Uh, nothing of this kind happened. So who knows what they talked about for two hours. We'll get into it. Uh, and Maxine Waters has some really interesting things to say about this. Some crazy things to say about that. But I was talking about North Korea. And my Senator Chris Coons, and, and this clip, this first clip is actually on The Blaze with uh, Chris Coons appearing with Jake Tapper. And apparently he was at CNN all day yesterday because I have another clip from yet another CNN show. But talking with Jake Tapper... This was a very interesting discussion about North Korea, the recent missile test, and what that missile test means to us. It's kind of long. I will, um, I'll give you the, um, the latest here as, as we get the update. Back to you now. So bottom U.S. do anything at all to prevent a nuclear-capable North Korea? 
Well, Pamela, both Secretary Tillerson and President Trump have said publicly they intend to follow diplomacy first, that they're trying uh, to mobilize a world effort. Uh, and some of the things that have been done in the United Nations at the G20 suggest that some of our key allies also see it the same way, that they're willing to support tougher sanctions on North Korea. The key country here is China. This is China's problem because this is destabilizing the Korean Peninsula, it's destabilizing the region, but China hasn't yet taken tough enough actions to actually impose some costs on North Korea for its destabilizing action. My main question is if we're pursuing diplomacy first, and this is one of our most important national security questions, then why is President Trump advancing a budget that would cut the State Department by almost a third? That seems to me like we're unilaterally disarming our most important tool or weapon in a diplomatic effort against North Korea. This is one of my big arguments with the senator. I always tell him we spend too much as a country. We spend too much. The government spends too much on, on dumb things. And not that the State Department is dumb, but government is bloated. Uh, case in point, the, the White House staff... The White House staff has fewer people than Barack Obama hired. As a matter of fact, uh, we're going to save $5 million a year in taxpayer money just because we don't have a bloated White House staff. And I do think they're getting the job done in the White House. I don't think you need the people hanging out of the windows. You've stuffed the staff so full. And the other item, even though we're saving $5 million, the average salary of the Trump White House is $16,000 more, this is according to NPR, than the Obama White House. So Donald Trump has already achieved the increase in pay. Remember, uh, the middle class just isn't getting enough money. They haven't had a pay increase in 20 years. Well, guess what? The Trump White House is doing it with fewer people, saving money, and still paying the staff more. There's a lesson to be learned there. Uh, Chris Coons goes on to talk about the missile, and I think this is when it gets interesting. At diplomacy, you mentioned China is key in all of this, but if China hasn't done enough up to this point, why are you confident that it, it could? I'm not confident. In fact, I'm not even optimistic. Um, I'm concerned that China is um, balancing their concern that if the North Korean regime collapses, they'll have a humanitarian crisis on their border uh, and lose a key ally versus their concern that the rest of the world will coalesce around making them pay a high price. Um, I think we're in a race against time and frankly, a race that we may well lose. We may be facing a North Korean nuclear armed country um, that has an ICBM capable of hitting the United States within two years. We don't have a lot of time. That's why we need to focus on the diplomatic effort and we need presidential leadership that engages all of our allies around the world. This is not the time for President Trump to be undermining NATO or the EU or the G20 or our partnerships uh, with the rest of the world. So you think with now, interesting point here. Donald Trump affirmed our commitment to uh, NATO, affirmed Article 5. Donald Trump met with Vladimir Putin. Donald Trump is meeting with uh, President Xi. And all of this was known before this interview, Senator. What I have problems with is the interviewer not asking the question, do you think we need a first strike? What do you think we can do? It's a race we may well lose. What do you want done, sir? We'll get into this more after the break. Come on back.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Phones are open. Martin's uh, manning the phones this morning. Corby's pushing the buttons. And I'm here on the mic on Pure Opelka Saturdays on the Blaze Radio Network, kicking off all new programming every weekend. Jeff Fisher and the Jeff Fisher program follows this show. I have no idea what Jeffy's up to today. But I'm betting. I, I placed this bet yesterday. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. But I'm betting Jeffy does the story about the naked woman who was mad because the car she bought broke down. So, of course, she took her clothes off. That's the way you protest. And you go to the house of the guy who owns the car dealership. Yeah, that's the logical way, right? Sure. We were talking about Senator Chris Coons, who was on CNN yesterday. I mistakenly said he was on Jake Tapper. And then on a later show, uh, Tapper was out and they had this woman filling in for him. And I was taking exception with some of the ways the um, the interviewer was not following up on questions to me that seemed obvious. For example, when Senator Coons talks about the fact that we're in dire straits with North Korea, a nation that has nuclear weapons and now has missiles that can reach the United States, that it might be too late. My question would be, what, are you advocating for a first strike? What are you talking about? Because if, it's, if you're saying it's, it's almost too late, then I really think it is incumbent upon you to prevent it if you're there to protect the United States. The topic instead shifted to Russia and the discussion of Vladimir Putin and what the Russians did. And, and there's a couple of interesting things that happen in this discussion. And I think Vladimir Putin will only stop when we stop him, and he will only stop when he and his nation pay a significant price. Meddling directly in the American presidential election goes at the very heart of what it means to be a democracy. Remember what they've done recently, invaded and occupied a portion of a neighboring country, Ukraine, where we had guaranteed in writing in an agreement their territorial sovereignty. That was done under President Obama, who did nothing. Taking the side of Bashar al-Assad, a murderous leader of the Syrian regime and military, where Russia intervened and really has prevented his collapse, even when the United States had committed to his removal from power. And did nothing under President Obama interfering directly in our elections. They don't share our priorities. They don't share our values. They've attempted to undermine NATO, distance the United States from mm -hmm. its key North Atlantic allies, and to affect our elections. We need to take tougher action. All of that was done under Barack Obama. Interesting, right? Very interesting. All of those things that Senator Coons brought up under Barack Obama. And you have to wonder, you have to wonder, could there have been more done? Could President Obama have done more for action? But what about during the Obama administration? Because the argument has been made that the Obama administration didn't do enough. I would agree with that. I'd frankly say um, that the Obama administration, in an abundance of caution, 
didn't act more decisively right before the election out of a concern it would be perceived as partisan. But the Wait a minute. Is Chris Coons agreeing with me? Is Chris Coons actually agreeing with me? Did he say the Obama administration did not do enough? Uh, let's hear that again. I would agree with that. I'd frankly say um, that the Obama administration, in an abundance of caution, didn't act more decisively right before the election out of a concern it would be perceived as partisan. But the Obama administration did take strong steps to make sure that the intelligence community was focused on this threat, produced uh, a broad consensus report, and that that was shared both with leaders in Congress uh, and with the incoming Trump administration. Let me just wait, 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 wait. So we were faced with an attack on our democracy that the president knew about in the summer and basically did nothing but made sure there was a report. That, th this is why strength, if, if the Republicans really want to maintain control of everything, arguing that you will be stronger when it comes to protecting America, Americans, our elections, our constitution, our freedom, our capitalism, that will always win with the real people in America. That will always win with clear thinking people who understand the benefits of liberty and freedom. It will always win. And all you have to do is point out the things that Senator Coons has said here, that Barack Obama stood by and let stuff happen out of an overabundance of caution because he didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And that, that is at the core of the liberal philosophy. We can win and we can, we can, I'm going to use the expression and I'm not the guy who's flying Trump flags. We can make America great again if we apply the simple principles of protect Protect America, protect Americans, protect our freedoms, protect the Constitution, protect the future. The chance for all of us to thrive and, and, and have a great tomorrow if we just follow the playbook. I'm so glad he brought this up. However, I will take exception with the senator at the very end of this. He manages to throw shade on the Trump administration. Well, listen, I'll, I'll wind it back a few seconds. Steps to make sure that the intelligence community was focused on this threat, produced uh, a broad consensus report, and that that was shared both with leaders in Congress uh, and with the incoming Trump administration. Let me just it's ask the Trump administration that hasn't taken the steps that were needed to follow up on that intelligence. It's the Trump administration that hasn't taken the steps needed to follow up on that? The report the eyes only report that the Russians were screwing with our elections was given to the president sometime between July and early August. It could not have been a more pressing issue ahead, well ahead of the election. The president of the United States, Barack Obama, did nothing. Did nothing until almost two months after the election on December 29th. What did he do? Oh, he kicked 35 Russian spies out of the country. And he confiscated the compound in Maryland, where they had apparently set up their, their camp here in the United States. Barack Obama knew about all of this.
all of this in the summer before the election. He chose to do nothing. And I don't think he chose to do nothing just because he believed Hillary Clinton was winning and it would be seen as uh, partisan politics as getting involved in it. Because, see, I think that if Barack Obama had stood up and said, Wait, America, I've just been told by our intelligence agencies that the Russians are meddling. This is all Russia. And uh, we need to protect our election. We need to keep our country safe. And therefore, I'm taking some extreme steps. I'm kicking all of the Russians out. I'm closing the Russian embassy until such time as they can prove to us that they are not meddling in our elections. Do you not think that would have been a brilliant move that would have secured a massive shift in the election? It would have, it would have turned Hillary Clinton into a 90-point leader. She would, have, she would have won 90 to 10. I know so many people would have said, you know what, he's right, she's going to be tougher. And she's got the experience. And these Russians, well, you know, it's time to trust the Democrats. But he did nothing. He did exactly what he did when he set a red line in Syria and then stood by and did nothing. He did exactly what he did uh, when Ukraine was invaded, a country that we convinced to give up its nuclear arms because we promised them we would protect them if anyone invaded. And he did nothing. Now, for Chris Coons to blame the Trump administration, or to say the Trump administration has done nothing, I think is disingenuous. I think it's not honest. And, and also, it, it's, it's really not fair. Five months the guy's been in office. Your guy had eight years. Your guy had more time between the report of the meddling of the elections in the election. And he did nothing. Nothing. It's inexcusable. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. A lot going on and a lot more to cover. I have some dumb stories that I need to get to today if, if the story of the uh, ice shelf thing wasn't dumb enough. But I have plenty of dumb stories. I saw something on uh, IJ Review, um, Independent Journal Review, today and and I, I i love this i love it when we call the progressives on their bravo sierra this a-list celebrity called donald trump's travel ban quote massively stupid this a-list celebrity called the president quote a xenophobic fascist and said the u.s is not doing enough to help with the refugees. This A-list celebrity, this, this mega A-list celebrity, red carpet regular, 
is pushing for an open-door policy, quote, open-door policy, close quote, for all refugees wanting to come to America, similar to what Germany has now. Well, that's what this A-list celebrity was saying before, before migrants set up a camp pretty close pretty close to his 10 million dollar mansion and now that now that those filthy migrants have set up camp on lake como close to george clooney's mansion and they're dumping their trash all over the area george is not pleased rumor has that george is selling the mansion the George, who just made, uh, I think it was $230-plus million when he sold his tequila company that he and Randy Gerber started a few years ago. George Clooney wants to get out now. He and his wife, Amal, and their kids have a pretty, pretty comfortable life, right? They had the beautiful mansion on Lake Como, the $10 million mansion. Well... Apparently, he's not so keen. It's it's known as NIMBY. This is NIMBY. Not in my backyard. George NIMBY Clooney gets the NIMBY Award today as uh, he and his neighbors at Lake Como are faced with migrants, those filthy migrants. According to the IJ Review story, hundreds of... Hundreds of migrants have set up camp on Lake Como, close to his mansion. His neighbors, the, the Clooney's aren't, aren't uh, commenting publicly, but we hear things about the Clooney's leaving the area and wanting to come back to the States and being in a more secure environment. His neighbors are not keen on it, and they've been telling the local local press, things like this. A, a restaurant owner, Maria Grazia, said, I don't want them here. Italy has enough problems without trying to solve the problems of the world. Italy should not have to deal with these people on our own. The EU does nothing to help us, and now they make us, me and my family and other Italian families, pay for them. Frederica, a housewife in the area, said, a small number of immigrants is not a problem, but now there are so many. You see them arriving at the station. They are, not, they are not poor, hungry refugees. They are big and strong. People here in Como don't like them. There are simply too many. A chauffeur said, It's good Switzerland closed the border to the migrants, but it's bad for Italy. We simply don't have the resources to deal with all these new people. You could put these statements in any one of the countries that is now being overrun by unvetted refugees. Another celebrity juxtaprogressive in George Clooney. The guy who pushed for the open-door policy. The guy who said the U.S. is not doing enough to alleviate the crisis in Syria. Yeah, George Clooney. Germany has already realized they have a higher rate of sexual assault. Sweden had to cancel a music festival. Why? Well, they were worried that 
women would be assaulted at such a rate that they wouldn't be able to handle it. The numbers of rapes and sexual assaults have spiked since since what? Oh, since these immigrant groups, these refugees, these unvetted refugees were allowed in because of the open border policy of the EU. I'm not anti-refugee. I think we should help where we can. I just don't want to be the guy with the stupid stamp on his forehead. George Clooney, did you get the stamp? Just checking. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.